Welcome to Relational Skills in Real Life, a Thrive Today podcast where we share everyday stories of encouragement and transformation from people using relational skills in their lives. Spend time with us and be inspired by real life examples of how we use relational skills to strengthen and repair our relational connections. We're so glad you're here. Hello, friends. Chris Corsi here. Welcome to the Relational Skills in Real Life podcast. Today is episode seven, and I'm very excited about our time together today. My name is Chris Corsi, and I'm the president of Thrive Today. My wife, Jen, and I run Thrive Today with the focus and mission of spreading relational skills far and wide. I'm looking forward to our time today because this is one of my favorite topics, and the topic for today is what we call enemy mode right? We've talked about relational skills and relational circuitry and skill zero before, but today's focus is what happens when we are out of our relational sweet spot. So enemy mode is a term that Dr. Jim Wilder came up with to describe the status when our relational brain is offline, relationally offline. And in relational in, in relational mode, we're ready for joy and interaction. We're creative. We feel peaceful. In enemy mode, we just don't want to interact with people or we attack, we criticize, we don't have any joy and peace. We're usually focused on pain or problems and the people we normally enjoy feel more like enemies. Enemy mode is not a place that we want to visit for very long, my friend. So enemy mode is an unwanted place when our brain is not getting back to joy and peace, when that relational engine is offline, the relational circuit is off or dimmed then what happens is we are in enemy mode and we start to amplify distress. So I might've had a great day with many good things in my day. And then the one thing, maybe the drive home from work and I encounter a bad driver, my, in enemy mode, my brain gets, gets locked onto what was wrong, what was bad. So I focus on that bad driver rather than all the good things that happened to me today. So big difference here, friends. And today's focus really is a kind of a bonus section today because you're going to get a little bit on enemy mode, but you're also going to get a little bit of insight into what we call an Emmanuel lifestyle. So we're going to kind of merge these two, but enemy mode is really the big topic for today. And the story for today is actually my story. I thought it would be fun to use one of my examples for enemy mode. And this was early in my marriage. Jen and I were... Um, we were navigating something with a family member and the family member had agreed to do something. And then the family member changed their mind. And for whatever reasons, this put me in enemy mode. I'm normally a pretty easygoing person, laid back, understanding, relational, compassionate, curious, but friends, this this incident just put me in enemy mode. I was hurt. I was mad. I was rigid. I was an unhappy camper. I was in this kind of perpetual frustration state with this family member. And I would self-justify my response. So I would, I would kind of explain away and rationalize why I was in the right to have these feelings. So Jen might say, honey, you you got some strong feelings here. You know, is there more going on? Because this was this was just not reflective of my normal personality and character. And I would just kind of explain away and justify. Well, no, it's because I 
I value integrity and integrity is a high value. And this person is just not showing integrity. Like I would explain away my reactions. I was locked in enemy mode. My relational wheels were spinning in the mud. And friends, it was clear something's going on here. No matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't explain away these intense feelings. No matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't couldn't just settle down or manage these strong reactions. It was like something is going on here and I need to find out what. So eventually I came to terms that, yeah, okay, I've got something going on here. The past is probably sneaking into the present. My brain is upset. I am reactive for some reason. So I practice what we call an Emmanuel lifestyle or what my friends Jim Wilder or Carl Lehman would call Emmanuel prayer. And basically, I reflected on the time that I felt Jesus was with me. So I remembered a time I felt God's closeness. And after sitting in that for a few minutes, I did what we'd call sharing minds with Emmanuel, sharing minds with Jesus. And I basically said, Lord, I don't know what's going on here, but I obviously have some strong feelings about what's happening and how this this situation with this family member is playing out. Like, I have no peace. And Lord, I don't even have your perspective. So what do you want me to know about my reaction? Friends, this was so cool what happened. So when I did that, something came to mind. And it was it was a memory I hadn't thought about for 30 years. And what came to mind was me as a five-year-old. I was in the garage with my grandfather, and he was showing off his 1976 Ford Thunderbird. Big boat of a car, beautiful car, but it was just, it was a big car. Grandpa loved his car. He would wax it. He would clean it. And I was just in the garage, and he was, you know, looking at the car, and I could tell how, how excited and proud he was of this car. And he turned to me. In, in this memory, he turned to me and he said, Chris, when you get older, I'm going to give you this car. And I thought, wow, like, you know, for a five-year-old, like grandpa was going to give his beloved car to me. Wow. Like this is incredible. I was so excited about what my grandfather had told me. What an absolute gift. But friends, unfortunately, uh, he died not too long afterwards. So God brought him home um, just just a short time after that moment. Nobody knew about this interaction in the garage where, you know, my grandfather was going to give me his car one day. So eventually my grandfather passed, which is a lot of loss. And that, that's what we call attachment pain. So there's some loss there. But what happened is eventually um, my family sold the car. So one day I go to my grand grandparents' house and visit grandma and the car's gone. She got they got rid of grandpa's car. And I was just devastated. Of course, no one knew about grandpa's promise. No one knew that he was, you know, going to give me plan to give me that car, whether he would or not. He, you know, he said he was going to. The car was gone. I was devastated because even though I lost my grandfather, it was the car that I still had. Like I could still have grandpa's car that just made him so proud. So friends, five-year-old memory. I hadn't thought of this in over 30 years. And then, you know, in the present, 
a family member says they're going to do something, they make a commitment, then they change their mind. And suddenly that commitment vanished. It was taken away. And as far as my brain was concerned, this reminded me of grandpa's promise of the Ford Thunderbird. So here I am 30 years later, this this family member says they're going to do something, they don't do it. Boom, it triggered some loss. It triggered this memory. And what's known as implicit memory is are the feelings that go with our reaction. So here I am 30 years later, I have these feelings coming up. They're big feelings, they're strong feelings. I'm mad. I'm you know, I'm just I'm I'm overwhelmed. Amazing. So the next step was now that I realized that it was okay, Lord, what do you want me to know? Like what do I need to get out of enemy mode here? What do I need to have some peace? And so what came to mind was just I had a sense of Jesus being with me in that memory. He was in the garage with my grandfather and I that day. And I sensed Jesus was sad because he knew my grandfather wasn't going to be able to follow through with his commitment, that his heart was to give me his car one day when I grew older. But he just, you know, he passed away, right? He, there was nothing he could do there. And so I just, I felt for the first time Jesus was with me in that. And I felt that he had compassion and sadness. And and I could actually feel some of that sadness. I could do some of that grieving. And I could just basically get God's peace in a place that I lacked God's peace. And friends, this changed everything. So now that I had a sense of Jesus being with me, my brain could process some of these feelings. Guess what? Now the situation in the present where the family member committed to do something that changed their mind. Yeah, it was still sad. Yeah, it was still upsetting, but it was nothing like it was before. I felt I felt some sadness, but you know what? I thought, well, that's okay. You know, that's okay. For whatever reasons, um, I'm not going to hold a grudge here. I'm not going to hold against this person. And you know what? I even felt compassion for the family member. I even felt compassion for this person. Like, you know, there could have been a blessing here. There could have been some satisfaction for this person being able to do this, but they changed their mind. And that just makes me sad for me. It also makes me sad for this person. So I had compassion for this family member. I had peace. I had understanding. My brain was no longer um, triggered by this unprocessed pain. So now in the present, I felt peaceful. I felt hopeful that, you know what, God's going to take care of us another way. So it was an amazing, amazing experience. And I I had a story then I could tell. So I went back to Jenna and said, you're not going to believe what happened. And I told her this story. And we just both were just amazed at God's faithfulness, at God's goodness. So I was out of enemy mode, right? So what was keeping me in enemy mode was this unprocessed pain. And there's lots of things that can put us in enemy mode. But dealing with the landmine, disarming the landmine that was keeping me in enemy mode completely changed everything. Where now I'm hopeful, I'm peaceful, I'm clear, I'm compassionate, I'm creative, I'm flexible, like just night and day difference. So friends, there's a lot of reasons we can go into enemy mode. And the goal is to recognize when we go into enemy mode and correct it with whatever it is that's keeping us in enemy mode. So this is where we, as as Christ followers, can interact with the living God. We interact with people, friends, trusted community members who can help us learn to find peace where peace is missing and absent. So 
enemy mode is just one of those topics that learning to correct and escape enemy mode, as Jim and my friend Ray Woolridge and Wilder and Ray Woolridge wrote a book about this, Escaping Enemy Mode. Highly recommend it. Um, I wrote The Joy Switch, talking about enemy mode. And we even have an enemy mode webinar that we did with Life Model Works that you can find um, in the links to this podcast. And there's there's just a lot of good information about this. But we can live with joy and peace. We don't have to stay stuck in enemy mode. Thank you for listening. Check the description of this episode for specific resources and visit us at thrivetoday.org anytime. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share it with friends. We look forward to seeing you next time. 